0: We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, and my trusty co host is my service dog, Whistle. And Whistle and I are thrilled to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject which is working dogs and working animals. And today we're going to continue our discussions about an assistance dog and is an assistance dog right for you. So we hope you'll come right back after these quick messages so we can jump back in and keep talking about assistance dogs. Sit, stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. designerpetsweaters.com Hey, cat people. Litter box smells always on your mind. Think about your cat, not the box, with World's Best Cat Litter, the litter that delivers big odor control in a tiny package. World's Best Cat Litter harnesses the concentrated power of corn to trap odors deep inside the litter. Ready to knock out smells and use less litter? Find World's Best Cat Litter at Target, Walmart, and in your local grocery and pet stores. Let's talk pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. And today we're continuing our discussion about assistance dogs. And so far we've talked about what kinds of tasks assistance dogs can do, is a dog right for you, are you eligible for a dog, and so today we're going to talk about, okay, so you've decided a service dog, an assistance dog is right for you, you've decided whether you're going to train that dog yourself or you're going to decide to go with a service dog agency that you're going to work with, and you've done that process, you now have this amazing, fine-tuned athlete that is going to be by your side to assist you, and now what? <laughs> now what do you do? You've brought this dog home, you're sitting there looking at this dog, and now there's all kinds of other things that you have to think about. I'll never forget when I got my first dog, Ramona, and as we were pulling away From the agency where I had got her from, we had all said our goodbyes, we had finished the training, and I remember looking at her and thinking, oh my gosh, now it's just the two of us, and I'm responsible for her. So, there's a lot of things that you need to think about when you're bringing your dog home and you're starting your life with this new, amazing animal. So, that's what we're going to talk about. And I'm going to share with you some of the things that I learned in the first few days, months, and years after I got my first assistance dog. So, when you're bringing your dog home for the first time, you really want to establish a routine, you need to think about all types of every activities like where's your dog going to sleep? What are you going to feed your service dog? Where are you going to toilet your dog? You're going to need to set up grooming habits. You're going to need to make sure you have a vet available to you, you're gonna need to establish a rapport with that vet, you know, there's all kinds of things that you're gonna need to think about and make sure that you get in place so that you can take the ultimate care of your assistance dog. Because these dogs, so much training has gone into them. So many people have contributed to their well-being and it's a huge responsibility that you have to make sure that you're maintaining that and that you are really keeping this animal as healthy as possible so that they can do the job that they need to do. Because if your dog is not healthy, they're not going to be able to work for you. So it's really important that you start initiating these routines and establishing these routines as quickly as you bring your dog home. And one of the things that I always remind myself of is it's easier to loosen up your rules and your guidelines than it is to tighten them up. So that's one thing that I've really had to remain steadfast with because when I got Ramona, my first service dog, I was like a brand new mom. I was trying to make sure I did everything by the book. When I got Morgan, my second service dog, I was a little bit looser. I wasn't as strict with Morgan as I was with Ramona. And now that I'm with my third service dog, Whistle, I have to say I've gotten even looser which actually has been a little problematic. And I've had to to go back with Whistle and tighten up a little bit. And I have to say, I've been a little sorry that I did that, but I'm still learning. Even on my third dog, I'm still learning of how best to work and live with him. But I really encourage you to be more rigid at first because it's a lot easier to loosen up than it is to tighten up. And Whistle and I are still learning that because I as we're going to talk about today I treats are a big thing for working dogs and I've been a little looser with the treats than I probably should have with whistle but we're going to talk a little bit more about that later in today's show but first of all let's talk about what types of tools Or materials are you going to need for your dog? And if you do go with a service dog agency, sometimes those agencies will provide for you a startup kit. And that can include such things as a backpack for your dog, decals for your dog's backpack to identify him or her as a working dog, food bowls, maybe a few days worth of food or weeks nail clippers, you know, they could provide you with a whole host of things that you're going to need in order to take care of your dog. Now, if they don't provide those things or if you train your dog yourself and you don't have the opportunity to receive those things, then you're going to need to make some purchases. You're going to have to go shopping and there's some basic things that you're going to need for your dog. In addition to those that I just mentioned, like food bowls, a backpack, and food, you're also going to need a toothbrush and toothpaste. You're going to need nail clippers and a really good pair of nail clippers. You're going to need safe toys for your dog. And you're also going to need a dog bed when I got my first dog, Ramona, I felt like a new baby had arrived. Friends of ours gave us toys as well as other well wishes. They gave us all types of things as if we had a newborn baby. And that was really great because she was my first dog and I didn't have any of those things. So I really appreciated all of those showers of gifts because it was really helpful for us to get a really nice rope for her to play with and some really nice toys because when you are buying all of those things all at once it can get pretty expensive so you may want to make a list of the things that you need for your dog and prioritize those based on your dog's needs. And of course, a backpack and decals to identify your dog as a service dog. And food and toothbrush, some of those things are going to have higher priority than others. So if if you are buying everything all at once, I would definitely make a list and a wish list. If people do ask you if there's anything they could purchase for your dog, then you could suggest something that would be very helpful to you instead of them just going out and, and buying something without really knowing. What your dog might need But one of the main things That you're going to need to address Right away with your new dog Is nutrition And weight control Those things are really essential To your assistance dog's well-being And you should talk with your agency And if you don't have an agency Then you can talk with your vet About a diet And what's the most appropriate diet For your dog Now most Assistance dogs, whenever they are placed with someone from an agency, they're around two years old. So it's most likely that your dog is going to already be on a food and have a nutritional plan that they've been living with. So if that's the case, you're going to want to find out what that is and how has that been working for your dog. My dogs always came to me with a pretty strict regimen of what they were eating. But the agency talked with me about other options, about lower cost options, and in some instances, higher quality. So that was definitely something that I considered right away was maintaining my dog on that current diet or changing that diet. The other thing that I thought about was any type of dietary supplements For example, was my dog needing a multivitamin or some type of supplement to their diet? And again, this is a conversation to have with your vet. And some traditional vets really are not that well versed in nutrition. So as you talk with your vet, you can make that decision whether or not you need to seek other counsel about your dog's diet. My vet, I love him so dearly, but he suggested to me another person in my community who specialized in nutrition, and he suggested that I talk with her About my dog's nutritional needs because he thought she might have some other insight for me that could be really helpful. And I did have that conversation with her, and it was extremely helpful because also as your dog ages and changes, their needs, their nutritional needs are going to change. So that's been very helpful for me, especially with Morgan, as he's aged and had lots of intestinal issues and other medical issues that have arisen. It's been very helpful for me to really have a team of professionals that I can consult and talk with about his changing needs. And the same for Whistle. Whistle is now five and a half. He's almost six years old, which means his nutritional needs are changing as he's aging and becoming more of a senior adult. So you really want to, from day one, you really want to be thinking about the nutritional needs of your dog. And that not only means what's best for your dog at mealtimes, but also for treats as well. But before we move on to treats, I want to talk about another important aspect of the nutritional piece of your dog's daily routine is what times are you going to feed your dog? It was recommended to me that I feed my assistance dog twice a day, in the morning and in the evening. And one of the main reasons my agency recommended this was they told me that if I do this, if I feed my dog twice a day, it would give me two opportunities a day to monitor their health are they healthy? Are they eating all of their food? Because if your dog does not eat or want to eat or is not interested in their food, then that can be a huge red flag that there might be some health issues going on. So I implemented that plan and I feed my dog twice a day and I've been very happy with that because it has been an indicator for me over the years. If my dog wasn't interested in food, then I knew there was something going on that I needed to be aware of and I needed to be seeking assistance from one of my vet professionals. So that's another really important thing, not only what type of food you're feeding, but the routine of when you're feeding your dog. And that also is helpful for toileting and for planning when you're going to toilet your dog. Because having an assistance dog with you 24 hours a day, you really need to think about that, especially if you work outside of your home and you travel. Having that routine for your dog is really going to be helpful for maintaining their health over a long-term period when you have regular feedings and regular toileting. So now we're going to talk about treats. And I would first of all recommend talking with your agency or individual trainer, whoever you're working with of where your dog came from, and see what kinds of treats they've been receiving and what their philosophy is about treats. Because I've talked with different trainers over the years at different agencies, and they pretty much have differing beliefs about treats. My first agency really discouraged me from giving a lot of treats. They trained me to give lots of praise to Ramona so that I was using my voice as a treat for her to really know that she was doing a good job and that I was happy with her but my second agency they have been much freer with food treats and they really encourage me to give Morgan treats so that's something that you also are going to have to figure out for yourself for me as a wheelchair user it's difficult for me to keep a lot of treats on me It's hard for me with balance issues and and other physical things to actually access treats and, and keep them on my person. But over the years, I've tried different experiments with that. I have a little treat bag. I keep treats in my vehicle. So that's been an easier thing for me so that when Whistle gets in my van and when he gets his seatbelt on, then I usually give him a little treat. And that's easier for me to handle and it keeps him happy so that he's getting treats and, and knowing that he's doing a good job. I usually give him those treats, especially after I've been out working all Day And we've been in meetings and he's been really behaving well in those public arenas. Then when I get back in my van, I give him a treat so that he knows he's done really well and he's getting a reward. So that's worked out well for us. When I travel... I really try to take treats with me because in travel situations, things could get a little more stressful for Whistle, especially getting on an airplane. So one thing I like to do is I try to carry a bully stick with me and I try to carry treats with me so that when I get on an airplane and if there's any turbulence or if the weather's not great, I have something that I can give Whistle to help him relax and help him know that he's doing a good job for me. So, you really want to think about treats, how you can work them into your daily routine, how it works for you. Another thing that I had to do with treats for Whistle is Whistle loves to go out in the backyard every day and have some time to himself. And we do this at lunchtime. And what I realized was that I needed to work on my recall with Whistle because when he was out in the backyard having fun, he didn't always want to come back in when I would call him to come back inside. So I learned how to use treats to get him to know that it, it's time for him to come back. And so now using those treats, it works like a charm and he will respond right away and the, the recall is just perfect because he knows that he He's going to get a treat when he comes back so he's very motivated to respond whenever I call him. So you can really use treats to work on things with your dog and to enhance their skill level and that's something that I've worked with my trainers on throughout the years to really help me know how to use treats in a healthy way so that I'm working with Whistle I'm enhancing my service dog skills while I'm also rewarding him and giving him something that he really likes. I really discourage from using treats that are scraps from the table, and I discourage that based on experience. As I said, I never gave Ramona, my first dog, scraps from the table. I really didn't do it with Morgan, but I have to say I did do it with Whistle. And I was sorry. (laughs) I learned the hard way that that was not a good thing to do. I can tell you it made it more difficult out in public in restaurants and other public areas where food is served. And I really had to backtrack and stop that and correct that with Whistle. Because he was much more aware of food in those areas. And it did make it difficult for me in having to deal with some behavioral issues. Which was my fault. Not Whistle's. Because I had opened that door and given him some scraps from the table. So take it from me. I really, really discourage that and it will make your life much easier if you use treats appropriately and you use healthy treats that are good so that you can maintain that weight because I also was giving Whistle more treats and I immediately saw his weight go up. So I really had to back off the treats and get healthier treats that were more organic and that were lower in calories so that I could give him the treats that I wanted to and that I felt was appropriate without jeopardizing his weight. So we are going to take a quick break and hear some messages from our sponsors and we'll come right back and keep talking about nutrition for your assistance dog. So come right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Molly, here's your dinner. (laughs) Looking for the best advice on pet health, safety, and travel? Connect with The Pet Lady. Dana Humphrey, also known as The Pet Lady, will surely be in a city near you real soon. She will be spreading the good news for pets and pet lovers from tips on dog and cat care, pet industry trends, and the best events for you and your four-legged family members. Need a great gift idea or insights on the hottest pet gadgets? Simply follow The Pet Lady on Twitter at PetLadyWorld. You can also learn more at The Pet Lady at thepetlady.net. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. Petlife radio.com. Pet Radio. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. And we're talking today about What do you do now that you've got your assistance dog and they are bringing them home? How do you take care of that dog? And we're visiting today and we're talking about nutrition. And there are a couple of things that I'd like to share with you. And this is from my book, Working Like Dogs. There's a table in there that talks about good nutrition. And I just want to share that with you because I really think it has some helpful tips that can really help you when you're trying to establish good nutrition for your assistance dog. And the first thing on that list is what we were just talking about, which is resist the temptation to give your dog scraps from the table as treats. And I can't emphasize that enough, again, after the hard lesson that I had to learn with Whistle. Another tip is to consider your dog a finely tuned athlete who must maintain their health, weight and well-being and that is so true because these dogs as I said so much has gone into their training and their skill level to be able to assist you that you really want to do everything you can to maintain that and if you think of them as an Olympic athlete that will really help you in working on their nutrition and their well-being. And you only want to give healthy treats such as low-fat organic meats that your dog can digest well. And again, those treats, really use them appropriately and make sure that they are healthy. The fourth tip is to consider your dog's digestive system and sensitivities to certain foods and chemicals. I have really learned that lesson in Morgan because Morgan's digestive system is extremely sensitive and I've had to be really careful of what I'm feeding him. If I change any of his food, his treats, or even his medications can really upset the balance of his digestive system. So you really want to be very mindful of what you're giving your dog and how it's impacting their health overall. And the last tip on this list is to read the labels and know what you're feeding your dog. I've been amazed at some of the things that have been included in dog foods that have been very unhealthy. So really, again, talk with a professional. Look at what your options are and make sure that you're giving your dog the highest quality food that you can afford for your budget because it can get very expensive. So talk with professionals about what's the best value for your dog and your budget. So the other thing we wanted to talk about is toileting. And toileting is a really important piece of maintaining your dog's well-being and their health care. You really want to establish a toileting routine. For example, after I feed Whistle breakfast each morning, that's time to go out and toilet. You also want to make sure throughout the day that you know about what time you need to toilet your dog. For example, For Whistle, I take him out after breakfast, then I go to work around 8 o'clock in the morning, and I know that I'm going to need to make sure and have a bathroom break in there for him around 11 or 12 o'clock. So if I'm working outside of my home and I'm in meetings or I'm in an office environment, I need to know where I can take him safely for him to have some time to toilet. I also know that I'm going to need to carry bags with me. I'm going to need a pooper scooper so that in case I need to use that, I will have those things available. So I keep those things in my vehicle. In the back of my van, I keep them so that if I need them when I'm out and about, I have them available to me. Because one of my responsibilities is to be a responsible service dog team member, which means I have to assist Whistle with toileting. Also, when I keep Whistle on his regular diet and when I feed him at regular times, I can gauge when he's going to need to do certain types of toileting so I can know where I am and if I'm going to need to use that pooper scooper. Or I can usually plan it so that he's at home and in my own yard so, again, I can plan better for his needs. But toileting is so important because it's another opportunity for you to be looking at your dog and making sure of their health and well-being because you want to check your dog's stool. And just to make sure, you want to look about how it's formed. You want to see if there's any diarrhea. You want to look and see if your dog is having any types of struggle or straining to use the bathroom. Those, again, are all indicators that there might be something going on with their health that you need to be aware of. So that's why I really stress toileting because it's a great way for you to monitor your dog's health. It's definitely another big indicator of what's going on with your dog. Now, as we've talked about preventative health care, one of the big things you're going to need to do is have regular visits with a vet. And I recommend to people that they identify a vet before they get an assistance dog and I have interviewed vets to make sure that I have the best person for my personality and for my dog because your vet is going to be your health care partner for the life of your assistance dog. So I can't stress the importance of having a good working relationship with this professional because this is going to be the person that that you're going to be consulting for information, for guidance as you make decisions about your dog throughout their life. So you can really spend some time thinking about that interviewing that person, thinking about where their office is located. Is their office accessible? I know that's been a real big decision for me in selecting a vet is can I get my wheelchair into their office? Can I get my wheelchair throughout their office so that I can actually be in the exam room with my dog? And also if there needs to be any types of testing that goes on, like x-rays or MRIs or anything like that, Can I navigate those situations with my wheelchair? Because I've learned how important it is for me to participate in the health care of my service dog. So having that relationship and having it be a really positive relationship is critical for both you and your assistance dog. And as you develop your relationship with your vet, you're going to want to talk about lots of different things like vaccination requirements, like immunization requirements, and those things also as you travel. As I have traveled internationally, I've had to consult with my vet on immunizations, on different documentation that I need for my assistance dog. So you really want a vet that you can engage with that will help you with all of these things as you live and work with your assistance dog throughout the years. Heartworm prevention, flea prevention. These are all things that you're going to need to think about for your dog and talk with your vet about. I have a monthly heartworm preventative that I use Now, depending on where you live, you may need something for fleas or if you travel. I know when we went to Mexico, I had to get a flea preventative for whistle. So again, you want to be proactive with your assistance dog. You want to educate yourself about what types of assistance they need so that again, you can really keep your dog healthy and make sure that you're staying on top of these things so that it's not a problem. You can definitely plan ahead and really cut down on any types of crises that may arise with just some of these preventative actions. You also want to think about when I pet my dog, you know, that is such a great way to not only bond with your dog, which is so important in these first weeks and months and year that you're together, but it also gives you another great opportunity to touch your dog, to feel their body so that you can get to know a baseline of what your dog's body is like when they're young and healthy so that as they grow and as they age, you can notice things. So I really try to do that every day. I touch my dogs. I pet them and give them that affection. But I'm also giving myself information about how they're doing. Has their coat changed? Do I feel any bumps that might be a little strange that I haven't felt before? Is there something that I need to be aware of for early detection? And I have found some different growths over the years that I can immediately respond to. And a few of them have been cancerous that we've been able to to get on early and has really saved us from having further difficulties. Some of them have been benign, but it's, it's a great sigh of relief when my vet tells me that that is just a fatty growth that I don't have to worry about. But definitely touching your dog, brushing your dog, gives you an opportunity to check their ears, to check their whole body, their paws, you know, to really see if there's anything going on with them that you need to be aware of. Another key part of your dog that I at first took for granted and really didn't think about was eye care. And it's also really important to get your assistance dog regular eye examinations. And I have to say, I did not do that with Ramona, but Morgan had some eye issues that developed, which really then made me acutely aware of problems that could arise with an assistance dog's eyes. But I'm thrilled to say that the American College of Veterinary Ophthalmologists actually host a public event every year. It's every May, and this is where board-certified ophthalmologists donate their services to provide eye examinations to service dogs. And they do this across the United States and Canada And they do it as a preventative for people with service and all types of working dogs to get an eye exam. And I have to say that Whistle participated in this this year, and I will make sure I do this for him and for all of my assistance dogs to come because it's a wonderful way, again, to get a baseline and to see what's going on with your dog so that when issues do arise in the future, you'll be able to know and to be very preventative as opposed to dealing with a crisis. So these are just some of the things that you can think about in preventative health care and in being aware of your dog's health status because again when you first get your dog they're usually around two years old or even younger if you're training your dog yourself and you want to start developing a baseline you want to set up some file folders that have this information that you can start maintaining for your dog so that as they age you'll have good information that you can share with your vet and if you Or if you select another vet, you'll have information that you can take with you to help get the best possible care that you can for your assistance dog. So thank you so much for being with us today. I hope this information is helpful to you. It's certainly things that I've learned over the years and that I'm still learning as I have the opportunity to live and work with my assistance dog. So we hope you'll come back and be with us again. Thank you so much much and take good care let's talk pets every week on demand only on petliferadio.com